This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, welcome back into the Lions 247 podcast. I'm Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz. It's a great Thursday in Happy Valley. It is the start of March Madness in full force, of course. The first four came to an end Wednesday night, stayed up late. Uh, Lance, we won't bring him back on, but Rutgers season has ended. Moving forward, though, uh, we're all excited for March Madness. We're all excited for St. Patrick's Day. We're festive here. But next Monday, Sean, we're back on the practice field. Spring practice in full swing for Penn State football. James Franklin will meet with the media for the first time since National Signing Day. Our understanding is that we'll be in person in the media room for the first time since the winter of 2019 and 2020. So been a while since we had a setting like that. We're going to get a chance to see some of these emerging players. It's a new look roster, certainly a new defensive coordinator. We got a lot to cover here, but happy St. Patty's Day. I know we're both excited to knock this episode out early on a Thursday. Yeah, and, and I'm sure James Franklin excited to see our smiling faces back in the media yes. room um, whenever that uh, takes place on Monday. But yeah, we got some spring practice to go. We've been just been sitting around, uh, you know, the whole month of March basically. Some some programs are well into their spring ball. Of course, this is all staggered in in a window where you can fit in. Uh, it's basically two months to get in 15 practices, but everybody's got their spring break. Everybody's got when they want to do their spring. I saw Temple's spring game is like the first or second week of April. So you know. I like it with Penn State. You you can get through spring break and then you get get going. I know that doesn't fit everybody's schedule to a T, but uh, it fits it fits us pretty well. And of course, the spring game, April twenty third, we're looking forward to that as well. But uh, there's plenty to get into. Uh, a lot of intriguing storylines as Penn State, uh, you know, gets into spring ball. The shorthanded point of your roster right now, you lost guys to graduation, lost guys to the NFL. So you're doing a lot of retooling, a lot of rebuilding, and there's plenty of positions to talk about, and that includes the coaching staff. Yeah, it's going to start on offense here on this episode of the podcast. We're going to go through all three phases, go through some key storylines, look at the returning players, the newcomers, and potential risers, players who are in key spots in their careers. But on the coaching staff, for the first time since 2019, Sean, Penn State has their offensive coordinator in place for back-to-back years. Mike Yersich, of course, still the play caller and quarterbacks coach for the Nittany Lions. It's been a revolving door at that spot. It's been the same guy at quarterback, but Mike Yersich is here. And despite the struggles of last year, a lot of us wondered what might happen coming out of the season. The entire positional coaching staff remains intact. There's been some fine-tuning behind the scenes, analysts brought in and such, but the position coaches, the voices in those room remain the same. Yeah, and and real quick before we get into that, I do want to speak. Uh, the recruiting staff is expanding. That was something that James Franklin wanted in his new deal. Um, they're moving some people around. Destiny Rodriguez, Dan Caballa. If you follow the program closely, you know those names. But to a casual fan, they don't mean much. But moving guys around, bringing in uh, different recruiting assistant recruiting coordinators, guys for the portal. Going to have a guy for name, image, and likeness, and things like that. So there's a lot going on um, to expand the staff, and that's something that James Franklin's talked about for a long, long time. Um, but the on-field staff, of course, Manny Diaz coming in um that's your big change this offseason but you, you're right that the continuity with mike yersich i'm really curious how that uh you know sort of boils over you mentioned sean clifford this is his first time with a back-to-back coordinator in, in a long time um so you you've got some things that are positives um you've, you've got to work through it mike yersich his first year on the job you know hit and miss very much so um you i think you probably label it as a dud in terms of the expectations that were leveled before him and especially the start that they had to the season just didn't score enough points and and what can you do in the spring to remedy that well it's got to you got to fix an offensive line you got to fix a running game you got to figure out what you're doing losing your top receiver so there's plenty on the plate for him this spring and and the man who is going to be uh you know his go-to guy on the field is sean clifford once again and uh here we go 24 year old quarterback come kickoff in, in uh, late August and be, or, uh, September 1st, I should say. And, and of course, Sean, we have talked about Clifford for years. I mean, covering his recruitment going back to 2015 or so. Um, we've known this guy for a long time. Seven years later, uh, he's still a vocal point for our discussions on the Penn State beat. And of course, Drew Aller is here. Bo Perbula is here. Christian Veyu is still on campus as a year two player. But what this comes down to is for Sean Clifford, for the first time in his long career as a Penn State starter, 
has that same voice with him on the practice field for a second consecutive year. Ricky Ronnie was his offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach in year one. It was Kirk Shiraka in year two, and they didn't really hardly practice together before the season because of the pandemic. And then last year, the big splashy move to bring in Mike Yersich, the first five games and that five and a start, Sean Clifford was was kind of the poster child for what Penn State was doing. And, and the big story was, was his rebound and his climb as a steady quarterback. He's injured, never really resurfaces as the same guy. It, it ends with a thud down in Tampa. And ultimately, we're left with, yet again, lingering questions. Can Sean Clifford help this program take another step? Or it's fair to, fair to wonder right now, considering how the roster has changed, is he a placeholder at the quarterback position? It kind of ended with a thud into his chest in Iowa City because that's where everything went. And, and yeah. that's really what you're looking at in the quarterback room right now. You found yourself in a situation last year where you had one guy and the other guys were not prepared to go in and, and be that next guy that could essentially be a placeholder. Um, now I think that's what you spend your spring doing. I, I know a lot of uh, Penn State fans uh, over the, the whole Sean Clifford thing at this point, and I get it. He's been here for a long time, and you've been waiting for – them to get over the hump and they haven't done so, but I don't think you're going to see an out and out quarterback competition. I think you're going to see a lot of reps spread to those young guys for the purpose of getting them ready for a situation like last year. I mean, Sean Clifford did not come back to uh, essentially be that what was the guy down in South Carolina that was a, a graduate assistant that eventually started a game at quarterback. He's not going to be that guy. He's going to be the starter, um, but you need to sprint, spend spring getting these guys reps and, and, and getting these guys uh, up to speed, especially the two freshmen, because if you find yourself in a situation like that, and Sean Clifford's taken some bumps and bruises over the over the, the course of his career, um, then you, you're I think you're going to be in much better shape right now. And and we don't probably talk about Christian Veiu enough. And I think that's really because we see the stars with Drew Aller and, and Bo Perbula is a Pennsylvania kid that we talk about a lot. Um, but getting him ready and getting him to a spot where he can be, and he impressed in the Rutgers game, no doubt. But I think there's still a, a big leap ahead of him for his trajectory. And with his trajectory goes the rest of that quarterback room, sort of talking about the room as a whole. 62, uh, I'm sorry, he's got a ton of this is 62 touchdowns going into the 2021 season. As I'm looking at Sean Clifford's career, he's over 80 touchdowns now. Um, he is well over uh, 8,500 8, offensive uh, total yards now. Do, do you um, remember and, the end of September when uh, Mike Yersich had fixed Sean Clifford? And remember that conversation? And yes. just like yeah. he came in and he did it and he fixed Sean Clifford and then all of a sudden we're having the same conversation in the spring. That's that's the crazy thing is is yeah. there was, I think, progress made there that you could see, the visual progress that was made. And now we find ourselves, you know, just back, back at the start of the line. Coming out of the Auburn game, what were we saying? It looks like Sean Clifford's figured out if you can get the running game going, then, then this Penn State offense can be everything you want it to be. Eventually the wheels <laughs> fell off with Sean Clifford, injury a part of that. The running game never came along. Uh, what Clifford did have, and, and just to clarify, 72 total touchdowns in Sean Clifford's career. He's played a ton of football. That includes rushing and passing. A lot of those touchdowns were thrown to Jahan Dotson. He's now out of the picture. But this is a room that does return two starters. Uh, one of them, of course, more established than the other. Parker Washington came on strong as a freshman, carried off that as a, as a year two player, uh, You know, stepped up uh, particularly early on in the bowl game down in Tampa. And we're all curious to see if he is going to emerge as a legit number one kind of target. We had that question about Jahan Dotson after K.J. Hamler left. He quickly answered the bell. Keandre Lambert-Smith, certainly the inconsistencies more prevalent than what we've seen from Parker Washington. There's been moments where Lambert-Smith has been called to the sideline and not gone back on the field uh, due to some of those inconsistencies. There's also been flashes from him and some big scoring plays. Um, so those two guys are back. And then at tight end, just talking about some of the weapons in the passing game, I listed it for this conversation, Bretton Strange, Theo Johnson, Essentially, both of them sharing a starting role. You look at the reps that they got last year. Uh, no one claiming that, but but both of them heavily involved. So put them there. They've played a lot of football as well. So Sean Clifford, despite losing Jahan Dotson, there's a lot of players here that he has thrown to in key situations in Big Ten matchups. And then you got Mitchell Tinsley coming in. I know you're talking returning guys right now. And, and if you want to talk returning guys, I think Tyler Warren can be factored in there. If you listen to our first episode of the week, we covered tight ends pretty pretty in-depth in our five-star mailbag. But, uh, yeah, I think that Mitchell Tinsley, even though he's not a returning starter, he is a senior. He's been around for a while. He's caught a lot of passes at Western Kentucky. So I think you can factor him in here um, as a returning guy. But I, I think the key guy that, that you throw out there is Keandre Lambert-Smith. I mean, he, you, you think that Parker Washington's going to step up, and, and I wouldn't be shocked if Parker Washington was more productive than Mitchell Tinsley, although we haven't seen Tinsley in action right now, but we have, you know, what we've seen of Parker Washington. We've always, always loved Parker Washington. 
But Keandre Lambert-Smith seemed like a guy that was ready to turn a corner and maybe just hedged a little bit and didn't quite get where we thought he would be. Now, of course, being a third receiver is a little bit different than being a number one. Um, but he he made some some good plays, made some, you know, not so good plays and inconsistency. And and I think the I think the mental side of things maybe got to him, caught up to him a couple of times. If he can make that leap, he's a very talented kid, very athletic kid, very talented kid. Um, just very curious what he is. You know, is is he a guy that eventually is a number one? Is he a, a solid number two? Which there's nothing wrong with that, but uh, you you want as many of those alpha guys as possible. So I think that's um, you know, it's, it's a strong, um, group of pass catchers that are coming back, but you, you could pick holes in this. I mean, we talk about Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson, they needed to be better and, and Tyler Warren, you could lump him in there as well. Um, th- those guys need to take a step forward, um, as, as all around tight ends. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, you're encouraged by the guys that are out there that he can, he can throw to. Can he get him the ball? We'll talk about that. Can, can they get the run game to take the, the pressure off the outside guys? We'll, we'll see if that remains, or we'll see if that's the case, uh, in September. September as well. Calgary Lambert Smith last year, 34 catches, 521 yards, three touchdowns, one of which came uh, in the Outback Bowl. Those numbers and, and that production was as good as Penn State has gotten out of a third wide receiver in about a five year span, Sean. But when you look at how it, it worked out for Keandre Lambert Smith, uh, he had two or fewer catches in the final four Big Ten games. So we didn't really see that that final stretch that 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 he carried momentum. I know he scored down in the Outback Bowl, but you have some questions about that. Can he solidify himself? You've got guys like Malik Mega, maybe Harrison Wallace. Mitchell Tinsley on board now. So uh, we'll find out and how Keandre Lambert-Smith responds to some of that competition. I know that Taylor Stubblefield challenged him a lot last year to take a step. I think there's probably uh, looking for the next nudge now forward for the former four-star prospect. The offensive line, of course, uh, outside of Sean Clifford and the quarterback spot, you know, maybe that this is actually overtaken the Clifford commentary is the offensive line and, and what comes next after what happened in 2021. They've got two returning starters in that group. Caden uh, Wallace, as we talked about earlier in the week, sticking at tackle here in 2022, came on as a starter a couple of years ago as a redshirt freshman, stayed in the starting lineup throughout the 2021 season. And then Drew Scruggs, great comeback story that we've covered quite a bit, uh, emerged as the as a starting right guard last year, then ended up as the center, which is where we project him to remain heading into the spring. So, Sean, we have a lot of things to get to in the storyline portion of offense, but these two guys are back, and I think you're looking for a, a big – you you want to see Caden Wallace uh, flash exactly what we heard from Chuck Losey, that new gear. Uh, you want to see Caden Wallace, uh, now that he's in ta- – now that we know he's sticking at tackle, can he look like an all-Big Ten caliber tackle? Because he lost one of those in Rasheed Walker, who did have an up-and-down career, uh, but you, you – don't have you don't know if you have that in Caden Wallace now and he's in year four so for him and kind of looking forward for what's next in his football career what he may be able to accomplish to me he's one of those guys that I don't want to say he's on the hot seat uh, but he is under the microscope in a way that he had not been prior to 2022. He is very much under the microscope because you, you they, they think that he has it in him and that's kind of what they keep going back to is they think that he can be a very good tackle for them. They think that he can play in the pros eventually, but the, the tape doesn't quite match up from last year. And you've got questions about how that, uh, how that has all come about. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things where we talk about storylines. We talk about these spring questions and we're just not going to get an answer until there's live football on the field. And that's, that's the unfortunate thing is we got to fill time from now until September uh, trying to figure that out. But we, we just, we won't be able to know. There's a lot of things we will be able to know that, that, how he handles live bullets is a different question, but they think he has it in him. They think he can hold up there on the outside. And if he can, that's a big, that's a big jump because you look at this offensive line. I wrote about this yesterday on a trimming pieces, by the way, you are right. This has surpassed the Clifford dialogue. I think there's a lot of fatigue in the Clifford uh, topic. So we've moved on to offensive line. We've moved on to running <laughs> yes. game and things like that. Plenty of stuff to, to complain about, no doubt. Um, but uh, it's, it, it was interesting to, to look at that room which is short on numbers. It's, it, you know, you, you don't know what Salim Wormley's status is going to be this spring. We saw him at the lift, but he was certainly limited there. Didn't really do anything. So you, you know, how does that handle or, or how does that uh, bleed over into what golden Achumba has to do and some of those other young guys, but you look at the left side of the line and you're like, okay, you can work with this. Olufashano a tackle, Landon Tangwall a guard. 
that's a lot of talent right there. It's a, it's, it's a lot of an experience and it's a lot of probably uh, growing pains and things like that. There's a lot of talent to build around. Scruggs has been around for a while and you get to the right side of the line. And I think there's more questions than anything, especially at that right guard until Hunter Norzad gets here. If he's the guy that's going to take it and run with it um, this spring, I don't think it's gonna be pretty. You know, that's, I think that's what I keep going back to with this offensive line. And I know it wasn't last year and I, I know everybody wants to see a reset and, and, and start again and everything like that and be a new offensive line. But with those same, bodies in there how much progress can you expect to actually see i don't know and a lot of that goes along with wallace i, I do agree he's, he's a key player on offense if not the key player on that offensive line um if he can be what they think that he is or think he can be then th that that's a good step forward you're not going to say you're never going to say this offensive line is going to be a good one but any step forward you will take and i think wallace's spring is a big uh a, a very key piece of them trying to put that together and talk about someone who's under the microscope on the staff is Phil Troutwine. We, we've discussed a lot in recent months about getting it going on the recruiting trail, and he's had some big victories there. But you want to see tangible progress on the field. Hard to make of, uh, hard to know what to make of his first year. He didn't personally recruit any of those players to campus, and then he didn't work with them in pads until September last year. Different story. We saw a lot of returning players, a lot of experience. Uh, and ultimately, wow, uh, it, the bottom fell out in a lot of different ways. And, and Sean, one question I have here is outside of Troutwine, because I, I'd imagine the last few months have not been comfortable in that room. There's probably been a lot of accountability that has needed to be taken, some hard conversations as they reviewed what happened last season. Who are the voices in that room that have stepped up? Is Caden Wallace one of those guys? Is Drew Scruggs one of those guys? You lost a, a three-year starter uh, in Mike Miranda from this team. You lost Rasheed Walker, who was selected as a team captain last year. So for me, you're bringing in a, a very, you know, a very experienced college player in Hunter Norzad, who I'm sure will bring confidence and, and the ability to be vocal, but he's not here until later on. So I'm curious from a peer standpoint, how this group is able to rally itself, because I think they're going to take some lumps early in spring practice. This is a pretty deep Penn State defensive front, even potentially missing some guys on the practice field. And so I think it's going to be a day to day to day steady progress. It's not going to be made wave the magic wand in, in February. And all of a sudden you've got this this gangbusters offensive line group ready at the field. Take a look at Sean's uh, trimmings piece and his projected defensive, uh, his projected depth chart for the offensive line, and that tells a lot of the story. That it's it's not a pretty story. <laughs> we'll say that. Um, you know, you look at the offensive line, and and really, there's not much in terms of numbers there. You've got 12 offensive linemen on the roster. Uh, one of those is a walk-on, Brian Willis, but um, it, it's it can get it can get thin very quickly, and it wasn't very deep and. and, and you know, you look at that 2020 class and that's what it keeps coming back to. You've got Olu finally in a starting role, potentially Golden Achumba taking starters reps in the spring. I don't know. I don't think he'll be there in the fall, but taking starters reps. And then you've got Jimmy Christ, Ibrahim Traore, Nick Dawkins, who I think Nick Dawkins can be a guy that you can lean on for. Uh, you know, you talk about the uh, the attitude in that room. Um, leadership is certainly there, um, even though he's a young guy. He's always been that type of guy, so you can lean on him. But, uh, yeah, you're, you're going to have to see that group take a step forward. I think Jimmy Christ is a key part of this in terms of uh, trying to figure out tackle depth. And then you bring in the junior college transfer, J.B. Nelson, and he's probably a guard, um, probably has to be a swing guy this spring because, you know, you don't have a ton of tackles. Um, I think a lot of mix and matching. And, and, and you said you're very curious to see how this this plays out. I'm going to I'm going to take the cop out and say I'm right there along with you because I don't have an answer for you on the offensive line right now. Um, you mentioned J.B. Nelson coming in, he, and, and we've talked about Mitchell Tinsley. They are two of nine mid-year additions on the offensive side of the football. Of course, you've got the five-star running back, Nick Singleton, the four-star running back, Gatron Allen, the five-star quarterback in Drew Aller and Bo Prabula coming in as a top in-state quarterback, a couple wide receivers in Omari Evans and Caden Saunders, Jerry Cross at tight end. Uh, but, of course, it's again, I want to note, Hunter Norzad, not yet on campus, and Salim Wormley, just not sure where he is in terms of being able to compete for this football program. A couple potential starters, guys who can who can vie for those roles. Uh, we don't know if they'll be uh, – well, we know Norzad won't be a factor this spring. We don't know about Salim Wormley, who was injured uh, last year during the preseason. Uh, Sean, beyond Clifford at quarterback, it's a different room than it was this time last year, of course. Um, Taquan Roberson now at UConn, Christian Veyu a year older, uh, certainly a more polished player than he was uh, coming to campus after having no senior season. Um, when I saw, when I look through this, you're basically this is a launching different paths for these quarterbacks and, and how they come out of the spring. 
Some guys might be on a trajectory towards transferring in the next year. Some guys might be on a trajectory short toward pushing Sean Clifford. I talked about the QB2 role so much last year, and I mentioned I'm still very interested in that spot right now um, because, in my mind, Christian Veyu did enough late in the season to show that he belongs at this level as a as a pro, as a you know uh, as a prospective kind of talent, um, and now with a full winter again with Mike Yersich. Remember, he was an early enrollee. You just said it. I said it about a month ago to one of our mailbag questions. He may be the most overlooked guy on this offensive roster right now. Not in terms of what they're going to do on the field here in 2022, but I just think in terms of how he fits into Penn State's plans long term, because I think a lot of people just are, are pushing him to the side and saying Christian Veyu is destined to hit the transfer portal. I, I want to see what he brings to the practice field because Mike Yersich is going to take a long look at these four guys, um, and, and I'm not ruling anything out about how this depth chart may end up looking uh, come September. Yeah, and I think I think the thing that you can take away from this quarterback room is much more talented than it was a year ago yes. at this time, and that's a step in the right direction. Obviously, with the volatile nature of, of quarterback rooms in college football, you got guys that transfer all the time, and that's going to be something that you, you deal with eventually. But for now, you build those guys up, you get them reps, you get them all the, the opportunities that you can. Um, and I think Sean Clifford is a six-year guy. No reason that he can't take a step back and take fewer reps this spring and get those other guys up to speed. I think he knows what's at stake here for both him and, and the entire program. So um, you, you look at that, and and I agree with you. I think Bayou probably uh, an afterthought for some of these uh, for some people at this point, but he he's a competitor. He's been a guy that's been around, and he's a talented kid as, as well. I mean, you just um, you, you take a look at Penn State's quarterback recruiting, and it, it's a lot better than it was three, four years ago. And and you're finding yourself in that spot where you're trying to start to reap those benefits. You're not going to quite get there just yet, I don't think, but you're going to start to reap those benefits as those guys continue to grow into the college game. We talked about how the schedule shapes up and maybe how that dictates people who want to see an open competition and maybe a true freshman win this job. Penn State opening on the road on a Thursday night in the Big Ten at Purdue. And then two weeks later, heading down to SEC territory to play Auburn on the road. Just a couple of things to keep in mind as Penn State uh, you know, assesses their quarterback position. And again, Sean Clifford, his next start will be number 34 in a Nittany Lions uniform. Um, we, we talked about running back tight end a lot. You need bounce back from those units. Um, we spent a lot of time on tight end last episode. Just, just quickly at running back, Kevon Lee, the most accomplished guy back. Nick Singleton, the most buzzy member back. Katron Allen, let's not forget about him. And then two players that I think it's fair to wonder how they come out of the spring could really dictate whether they're here in September. Devin Ford, Keziah Holmes. Keziah Holmes essentially tucked away on the practice field for his entire second year on campus. And Devin Ford, who came to campus with a lot of fanfare in 2019, really been relegated to a reserve kind of running back despite getting his opportunities. Um, so Five guys here. Jaywan Sider, I'd imagine, is as motivated as any position coach on the staff after what he encountered in 2021. And they've got to come up with an answer here if they want to get it going. Certainly do. Um, and and again, until we see these guys carry the football, especially the guys that have been on campus, I'm talking about Lee, I'm talking about Ford. You know, we, we're excited to see the freshmen, no doubt. But these guys that have been on campus before, some of them have produced, some of them have not. And then you've got Keziah Holmes, who really just a, another afterthought on this offense because he did redshirt last year. Um, he was supposed to be the big play guy. He's supposed to be the speed guy coming out of Florida, can run away from defenses um, and just hasn't hasn't really I don't want to say hasn't developed because he has gotten bigger. He has gotten noticeably stronger, I think. Um, but you've got uh, you got kind of got a different back to work with right now. So, um, you know, I, after last year, kind of gun shy on the talent of this room. I think I think it's there. Um, I think it's po it's certainly possible. But running behind that offensive line obviously doesn't help. And, you know, mixing things up and bringing in a five star freshman is going to change some things and change some outlooks in that room as well. Um, but I'm excited to see those young kids and see what they can do. A lot, a lot to know on offense, and, and that's just kind of skimming the surface for now. We'll dive into more details as spring practice progresses and, and we get some more feedback on some of the younger players and maybe risers in some of these rooms. But let's switch over to defense for now, Sean, where um, there was a major shakeup at coordinator. Brent Pry, the longtime James Franklin assistant, a longtime member of Franklin's inner circle, now the head coach at Virginia Tech. We wish him well down there, but it's a new era for this defense. Manny Diaz is in after a, a really ugly ending to his head coaching career with the Miami Hurricanes. He's also coaching the linebackers. Got involved before the Outback Bowl. He was on the practice field down there. We saw him, although it was Anthony Poindexter's job, through the Outback Bowl. It's now Manny Diaz's job, and he's got the keys heading into his first practice on Monday. 
Yeah, and I don't think it changes the defense all that much in terms of structure. Um, but it, anytime you have a, a defensive coordinator change, you're going to get new wrinkles and things like that. We'll see, you know, things like uh, Curtis Jacobs moving into the box and what they do with Sam is is particularly an intriguing storyline because you've got Jonathan Sutherland coming back. And you think you know what you've got with Jonathan Sutherland, and there's certainly questions to to, to follow up with that. Where's Jamari Budden at behind him? Do, do they switch and, and get Daquan Hardy on the field as more? Um, so I think you kind of start at the middle there in, in this Diaz thing, see what he can do with the linebackers. Of course, Stacey Collins coaching um, there as well with the nickel outside linebacker, whatever his job title is. I forget off the top of my head. Um, but uh, you've got so many things, and it's kind of taken a ripple effect from that that linebacker spot because you still don't know who your mic is. That's a very important thing to nail down. Um, Kobe King, Tyler Elston, the two that we're pegging as, as guys that can play in there. Um, but you got to figure out how the, those guys can can take a very big step in a short amount of time. As young guys that haven't played le- much, I know it was great having the veterans last year. Ellis Brooks played a lot of football, um, but that's kind of the flip side of the veteran thing. You play a lot of football, you have guys behind you that don't play a lot of football, so you got to get those guys to grow up quickly. And linebackers, to me, I mean, you're, you're talking about spring storylines. They don't have great numbers. They don't have great experience. I think Curtis Jacobs can be a star, but beyond that, what do you got? And, and they've got some things to sort out in the middle there. We've talked about Tyler Elsden, Kobe King, but they also are in pretty good shape at the at the front level in terms of what they have uh, in the middle. P.J. Mustfer is back. To what extent he'll be involved in spring practice, we don't know. Limited during winter conditioning, but on track it appears to be every bit of, of the playmaker that he was last year if he can come back healthy. Kazai um, Izzard I threw in as a returning starter because that's really what he became during the second half of the season last year. He was the guy who primarily stepped up. Devon Ellis, of course, was was heavily involved in the rotation, but it was Derek Pangelo and Keziah Izzard for the most part. And I thought Izzard was a guy who made a good impression year one on campus and year two. I thought it went pretty exceedingly well for him, all things considered. And and that's kind of going to lead to a later discussion here. That defensive tackle room and because of some of the versatility you have with guys who are maybe swing linemen, it just feels like it's in a better spot on the depth chart than it has been in recent springs. It's growing. It's going from that yeah. spot that had 27 scholarship guys or whatever right. it was to, to to cultivating the depth that you need while some of the guys that were in there that weren't playing are, are no longer here. So you feel good about Kazai Izzard. You feel good about Devon Ellis. They Both of them got extended run during the year, especially after Mustafa went down. Certainly going to miss Derek Tangelo in there. But, uh, you know, you give those guys a chance, then you throw Jordan Vanderberg in there. Can you get Hakeem Beeman back and be any kind of player that, that you had hoped he had been? And then, I mean, you've got – a potential to have a three deep there that can actually play. And that's a, that's a big difference between having a three deep and having a three deep that can play. Um, those guys can, can set themselves up to be in a, in a quality rotation. Uh, mentioned Vandenberg, uh, Fatoma Mulba, if he can be a guy that just gets in there and eats people up, then, you know, that's, that's great to have for a, as a fifth guy, you know, you think back to big 10, the big 10 title run and Tyrell Chavis wasn't the, the most, uh, the, the guy that got the most reps, but he did get in there and, and serve a key role. So as many big bodies as you can throw in there, quality big bodies as you can throw in there while giving you the, the, the flexibility to maybe keep an Amin Van over at defensive end. We, we know that defensive end is going to be, have to be the spot where they have to retool the most and figure out what they've got. We talked about Zariah Fisher on the podcast earlier this week. What does Tarburton and Smith Vilbert bring to the table? Um, can they get a pass rush out of that spot because they don't have a Bikini anymore? Just you look at that and I feel fine, perfectly fine with defensive tackle. Still have some questions at defensive end. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
Nick Tarburton is a guy that it took a long time for him to get to the point where he broke through, but he did last year. And and a big tip of the cap to him for staying healthy. But bigger story for Penn State was the kind of value that he did bring to the defensive front. And I think beyond his ability to disrupt, be, be a disruptive presence, uh, I don't think he's a guy who's going to pile up a bunch of sacks. But uh, I think we've seen with him, uh, he's a consistent and persistent defender. Uh, and, and he's also a guy that, that has some of that athleticism moving on from the linebacker position early in his career. But with Nick Tarburn and P.J. Mustafer, I talked about offensive line maybe needing to find its way from a pure leadership perspective. I love what they have in this room. Um, I'm sure there are other guys who are, have come along as leaders and vocal presences, but you've got maybe the best one on the team in PJ Mustafer. And Nick Tarburn carries a lot of weight in this locker room because of what he dealt with, because of how he came through last year. And, and I think those two being, uh, you know, in every conversation on the field with, with a group that's going to have a lot of moving parts this spring, a lot of new faces, guys who haven't played much Big Ten football, really important, I think, because you're going to have John Scott, Dion Barnes, and the coaching staff doing their thing. But I like the accountability that's in place because of some of the leadership here. I agree. Um, the, the leadership, the accountability, all that stuff. I, I just wonder where the dynamic presence is going to be. And can that yes. be Fisher? Can that be a guy that gets the quarterback consistently? We saw what kind of impact AK had last year, and you can't really measure that. And, and Laqueta as well. I mean, you've got a, a guy like that uh, just uh, going after the quarterback. And that's, again, when, when they go to the portal, they're not looking for another Nick Tarburton. They're looking for somebody that can get to the quarterback and, and be aggressive and go with that. So, um, yeah, that, that's my question. I agree with the, you know, the all the the leadership and everything like that but can you get to the quarterback and that's what at the end of the day you look at the stat line that's what's going to matter yeah ak came in here and put up more sacks than anybody in i think a six-year span and and he's gone luquetta has gone and he was really turning that corner figuring it out uh, let me ask you this if, if is that the priority number one we talked about offensive tackle in the transfer portal right now i know a lot of people are grasping at straws with transfer portal is edge rusher? How does that fit in in need right now? Just for a little linebacker. State? I mean, they get, they got to figure yeah. out something at line. If they can bring in a guy that's a starter quality at linebacker, that I don't want to say that would that would solve their problems, but that would go a long way in, in filling that out. Just because you look at the numbers and you got uh, basically a two deep, but that two deep includes Charlie Catcher, who hasn't played a ton of football and has been banged up at times, and Jamari Budden, who hasn't played a ton of football and he's behind Jonathan Sutherland, who hasn't played a ton of linebacker. So. There's so many questions at linebacker, but edge rusher is always a priority. I mean, you you look, it's one of the most important positions on the field, um, and and they've certainly set uh, – you take a look at the quote-unquote offers that have gone out in the transfer portal. Uh, the Murphy Twins from North Texas were ones that, that they really um, pursued heavily, but uh, they really wanted to get somebody they could get to the quarterback. And you and you look at other things. I, I know we talked about uh, Jared Burst from uh, Albany who eventually transferred to Florida State, they saw him as a guy that was kind of like Tarbert and kind of like Smith-Bilbert, a guy that can play a couple of downs, but the question is, can he get to the quarterback? And they ultimately did not offer, even though you know a bunch of schools uh, eventually did offer him as well. So um, there's, there's a lot that goes on with that, but I would put that, I would put linebacker at the top and then edge rusher below, even though edge rusher, very, very important. Penn State has brought a lot of speed off the edge in recent years. Ebikede uh, brought that explosiveness. You had Adafe away, Shaka Tony, guys who were very fast at, at that position. Right now, you look around the room, the roster, you wonder where is that kind of explosiveness, that edginess going to come twitch, from? Yeah. yeah, that twitch. And, and Zariah Fisher is the guy we pointed to, but that's a you don't want to put too many eggs in that basket for a guy who's in his second year at the position. I'm, I'm really um, worried. Although, that I'm, I'm really worried that Zariah Fisher is going to have like five sacks in the blue white game and it's just going to blow up expectations because of the offensive line he's going against. But uh, yeah, that, that, that's the big thing as you look around and, you know, even the young guys, um, Dave Ontale is really big. Uh, Rodney McGraw is really big. Uh, those guys aren't, you know, just uh, blinding speed off the edge. And that's what, what that's what we've seen with, uh, with, with guys that have been successful. I know, uh, Shaka Tony was very successful. Jason Away, even though he didn't get the sacks, was very successful and obviously is going on to a, a good start to his NFL career. And then AK last year and Disi Lucetta. There's something to be said for speed on that edge. And I think that's a, a worry point for me is where's that speed going to come from on this defense? And to me, does that emphasize uh, unleashing Curtis Jacobs more routinely um, as a guy off the edge, I, as someone who can attack the quarterback? 
Um, it's something that we've seen him do uh, with, with, with some success early in his career. Um, do we see more growth in that role as you look for ways to apply pressure? He's just somebody that comes to mind there. Um, there's only one mid-year addition uh, on the def- on the defensive unit. It's on the defensive line. It's Zane Durant. Perhaps you've heard of him on this podcast just about every episode over the course of winter conditioning. Um, so, so he is the newcomer to watch. But we also have to note here, deny Dennis Sutton, the five-star standout, and Sean, a guy that you've called perhaps the most important, and maybe you didn't even use perhaps the most important uh, uh, recruiting win for James Franklin here at Penn State. He's coming to town later on after spring ball, and then we're just not quite sure with Adiza Isaac, Hakeem Beeman, P.J. Mustafer. It sounds like Isaac and Beeman going to be a go uh, for spring. Mustafer, I think I think you kind of have to take your time there. You certainly don't want to rush no, him back. No, reason, but, no yeah. reason to put him out there at all, especially since he's a senior. He's played a lot of football. Even if he was like on the precipice of coming back, there's no reason to put him out there. But yeah, deny Dennis Sutton. I mean, you play right away. I think I think Zane Durant, just talking from talking to people in the program, they think that while it's going to be tougher to break through a defensive tackle, he can dent that rotation and be one of those three deep guys. Um, so I'm excited to see his progress. But deny Dennis Sutton, um, that's where I think that edge rush can come from. I know he is a bigger guy as well, but uh, he's a different type of athlete. I mean, he's a different type of football player. Um, uh, I'm going to say a lot of great things about deny Dennis Sutton before he gets <laughs> here. So hopefully he lives up to the the expectations. But yeah, just uh, that that's a guy that can make a difference. And if you're looking at um, you know finding uh, something in the portal, talking about uh, priorities and things like that, you've got a guy, a potential early impact guy, defensive end coming in at linebacker. You've got questions. You've you've got you got the questions at linebacker. Let's let's skim over that for now and go over to the defensive secondary because we've covered the front seven and depth is in a good spot. You, you lose an All American level player in Jaquan Brisker. You lose a, a veteran starter in Tariq Castro Fields, whose availability was kind of hit or miss during the, the final stretch of his career. Um, but you bring bra- bring back starting experience at cornerback with Joey Porter Jr. I think we all want to see kind of that 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 pendulum swing back for him, establish himself as a top tier cornerback prospect. Um, maybe didn't <laughs> didn't come through unscathed uh, last year. The penalties were an issue, and then Daquan Hardy, a guy that we talked a lot about, uh, uh, stepping up in that nickel coverage role. Uh, do we see Penn State implement five defensive backs with frequency this year, considering what they've got at linebacker, what they have in the defensive secondary, and what might that mean for Daquan Hardy's role? And then Jair Brown. Uh, the, the return of P.J. Mustafer absolutely huge, but so was the return of Jair Brown, who after that outback bowl, you could imagine maybe he had some second thoughts because he went out there with no practice uh, and, and just looked like one of the best players on the football field uh, against Arkansas. Uh, Sean, defensive secondary, you're going to need some players to step up. Kalen King is under the microscope there. But I think really the conversation for us is going to continue to to be that second safety position because Jaquan Brisker, those are mighty big cleats to fill on this roster. Yeah, and unlike linebacker, you you feel fine about the talent there. You know, Kalen King has come up for a while, but uh, at safety, Jalen Reed showed enough last year that I think you can can feel confident about uh, him stepping in and, and making some plays, of course, probably going to have some of those hiccups that we talk about with young players. But uh, if he's competing there with Keaton Ellis, who is a, a senior has been around in the program for a while, it says something about where Reed stands. I know Chuck Losey uh, was one of the guys or w- was among those that have singled Reed out. And then you can throw Zaki Wheatley in there as a guy that just yeah. keeps popping up, just talking to people, just keeps popping up that name. Um, you know, really, I don't want to call him an afterthought because he was a red shirt guy, but played a corner last year has moved to safety. Now, all of a sudden, he could slide right into that 2D and, and be there behind Jair, Jair Brown and play some. And by the way, J- Jair Brown's the guy that just people keep going back to. So this, this guy, is he's driven. He's going to have a big year. Uh, I know he put up the numbers last year. So I, it's one of those things where he could have a better year this upcoming season and not get to, what did he have, six interceptions last year or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that that's, uh, there's a lot of potential there. I feel better about the talent and replacing the, the the guys that have left in the secondary than I do about uh, at linebacker and at defensive end. John Dixon in his second year after the South Carolina transfer, also going to factor in a cornerback. And you're going to have uh, some reinforcements, young players coming in, a, a bunch of them impacting the defensive secondary. Guys like Ken Miller, uh, Makai Flowers, Christian Driver, um, uh, players that we've talked about yeah. for some time as being versatile athletes. And again, it, it not expecting them to break through, but you're going to start to see that, that depth chart get a little bit deeper because with some of the uh, outgoing departures in the transfer portal, Safety in particular, that depth chart got pretty thin in scholarship numbers. Yeah, and and Daquan Hardy so important. I mean, you, you don't even think about him at times just because he's a nickelback and he's a guy that you you kind of 
I don't, I don't want to say take for granted, but he was very good last year. And then you're opening on the road at Purdue, a team that can spread it out and throw it around a little bit. It helps to have a guy like that playing in the slot. Um, and then he's also a guy that, that can potentially play safety if you need him to play. You can use, kind of use him all over the field. Um, so I don't think we, you know, he's probably the guy that we talk about the least that could have the biggest impact here. I think Hardy um, will will take us, you know, a nice step, another step forward and, and just be a, a really quality player. I don't know what his NFL prospects are. I don't know where, you know, he he fits in the long term, but just be a really quality player. And, and you certainly need those on that defense. Yeah, Hardy told us in Tampa that he was preparing to play safety in the Outback Bowl if Jair Brown wasn't cleared to play, uh, having to, to pass the COVID test to, to get on the field that day. Um, over to special teams briefly here, uh, another spot where you have a new coordinator, uh, Stacy Collins comes on board, uh, Joe Lorig heads out west. Um, you've got to replace Mr. Do-It-All, Jordan Stout, your kickoff specialist, uh, an All-American punter, uh, and for the most part of the 2021 season, he was also your, the guy you turned to for field goals and extra points uh, with less success in that department. They've got a lot. They've got some names here. They've got a, a, a punter coming in later in the year. Um, but this is an area where, man, it, when you go from set it and forget it with high-level punting to all of a sudden going in the spring game and being like, I hope we can boot the ball straight and consistently. That, that leaves some room for scare. And and Stacey Collins is going to have to figure out uh, where the replacement comes from. And he may not be here yet. Yeah. Oh, I, he, he's probably not here yet. Alex Baquetta, of course, the guy that signed and is not able to uh, enroll in the spring, although that would have been nice to have him around. But Barney Amore is going to be the guy, um, I think, that goes out there. You've got some guys on the on the roster. Gabe Nwosu, um, the, the 6'6", 302-pound punter, is great to uh, great to be around, great to look at. But uh, Barney Amore, the transfer from Colgate, uh, or transferred in from Colgate, Colgate two years ago, is I think a, a guy that's probably going to play that role this spring. So I you know, I don't want to call him a placeholder because he could yeah. he could very well take it and run with it. We've seen walk-on guys that have, have done a really good job with that. So he's got an opportunity this spring to to give himself a cushion going into that battle in the fall and, and see what happens. But, uh, yeah, you've got that at punter, at kicker. Pinnegar's coming back. Sanders Sahadak's coming back. Hopefully you can get some competition, get a little bit more consistency there. I mean, I don't care who it is. Just make the kicks. Um, and that's a very, very over oversimplistic way to go about it. Um, but I think it's it, it's one of those things where Jordan Stout was phenomenal. Love Jordan Stout. Could have used some more consistency in the one that got you points, and that's a, that's an unfortunate uh, uh, an unfortunate mark on the end of his career, I think. So, um, but yeah, Stacy Collins has some work to do. It, it, you get special teams work in in the spring, but I think it's cut back a little bit because you're not game planning, you're not trying to figure out who your top returner is against this type of coverage and things like that. But they'll get an opportunity to figure some of those things out uh, and, and work on it a little bit in the spring. Pinnegar has kicked a lot of balls for, for Penn State during his career. Uh, he's been a big factor for a lot of years. He was the full-time guy for the first three. But I will say, Sanders Sahadak, the ball jumped off his foot. You, you kind of get it confused a little bit with Jordan Stout out there last year. It was just a different way that ball jumped off. Sahadak, probably the most slender player on that field, stood out from a physical standpoint, looked like an obvious true freshman. Not that really matters as much as a kicker, but – He's got something, you know, but can he be consistent enough to beat Jake Pinniger, who came back for a reason? I think a lot of people figure Jake Pinniger might finish his career elsewhere. He is here, and, and uh, presumably, based on winter conditioning feedback, he goes in uh, as a front runner to, to claim that job and, and hold on to it. But, Sean, another spot where I feel like they could inject some fresh life is that return game. Jahan Dotson was the punt returner last year. Just wasn't able to really generate much. Um, not really necessarily a fault of his own. It's just kind of how it worked out. Uh, and, and ultimately, he's gone. Parker Washington's here. You've got these playmakers out receiver. You bring in some speed. But I think whether it's kick returner, where we saw Devin Ford factor, and you saw John Lovett back there a bit last year, there is a lot of room for growth in, in both of those roles. And, and it's it's it felt like last year there were several times where you said if they can just get a really solid return here and set up the offense, they have a chance. And it just really never happens. Yeah, they did a lot of fair catching and things like that. And a lot of that's analytics based. But uh, yeah, I'm very curious if that's the role we see Devin Ford in. You know, I, I've talked to him several times on the board, people asking if, if guys are going to be around. I think he's an obvious candidate to, to to not be here. But at the same time, I think there's a role for him. And that could be as a kick returner, third down back type thing. Um, but uh, I think that that's his way to getting onto the field. You know, just basically looking at what's in front of him and at, at running back or what could potentially be in front of him at running back. But also because Zion Holmes, they like to use running backs back there. I'm curious if, if Zion Holmes is a, <laughs> 
Keziah Holmes fits that uh, fits that brand. So we'll we'll see with that with the return game. Parker Washington could be a guy that you you put back with punts. Um, but again, that's going to be something probably more for preseason camp. Um, you got to figure out who can catch those punts. I'm I'm also wondering if Daquan Hardy can factor in there. You know, I talked him up on the defensive side of the ball. Incredibly dynamic returner in in uh, at, in the high school at the high school level. So hopefully, for, for my sake, I'd like to see him back there fielding punts. Caden Saunders is another name. I'll just I'll just toss into there because he's been talking about us, uh, you know, kind of licking his chops, maybe getting a chance to be a special teams guy at the next level as well. In addition to his offensive role, uh, we'll see how he fares. One of those well, freshmen. Wondering if Singleton can fit in there as well. You know, just uh, if, if Nick. I know he's a bigger guy, um, but you, you take a look at the way to get the ball in your playmaker's hands is that's an extra possession or not possession. That's an extra touch for him. Um, and if you think he's as dynamic as, as he has seemed to be physically, um, that might be an intriguing option back there. And maybe because he's not a starter right away in, in, in the running back room, but you still want to see him get, uh, get his hands on the football. I think that could be an intriguing option as well. My last thought on the special team, Sean, I just hope the punting situation without a scholarship player is better than the place kicker situation in the spring of 2018 before Jake Pendergrad got to campus. I don't know if you remember that well, but it was a bit of a circus uh, and watching them go through the the place kicker um, drills during those practice periods that were open to the media. I don't like that being your last thought because that means you skipped another position that is paramount in importance in terms of returning starter, returning starter. starter Yes. Chris Stoll, he will be back. Tyler Duzanski's back. Uh, Michael Wright's back as well. Um, you know, Stoll, Stoll's good, man. Stoll is is consistent, and uh, he's been a guy that's been around for a long time. And and there's something to be said for that. I know we joke about long snappers all the time, but there's something to be said about consistency at spots like that. It's the spot where when you stop forgetting that spot, that, that there's a problem because there's an issue there. Um, Sean, it's time for a five-star mailbag. And after we just spent a ton of time discussing who is on campus this spring, this one asks us about players who are not quite yet with Penn State. Here we go. Penn State still has plenty of players to add for the 2022 season after spring ball. Considering that, which later arrival do you consider the most realistic possibility to play early? Uh, I'm going to take Hunter Norzad out of the conversation right now because I think that's an obvious one. You look at, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his, his potential to come in and start right away is certainly there. Um, but beyond that, I look at the the guys that are coming in right now, and, and I go right to deny Dennis Sutton. I don't think that, I, I think there's a big gap between him and and that next group, which could include a Cam Miller, as you mentioned, at corner Abdul Carter. Incredibly intriguing to me. I'm just wondering where he's at in terms of development, in terms of what he has to do from a mental standpoint as a linebacker, reading keys and all that kind of stuff. Physically amazing. Uh, you know, I'm just curious to see where he he fits in the linebacker chart or if they just put him right at edge rusher right away, which I think he could he could do that uh, as well. Um, and then KJ Winston, who, you know, I like a lot, but uh, and and Paquetta, we just talked about with special teams. But I think there's a big gap between Denied and a Sutton and everybody else just because he is so physically advanced. He's a really good football player and they need a, a guy that can get after the quarterback. I think he could do that. Yeah, I agree with you in kind of categorizing Norzad away from this, but he's he's the obvious pick. And, and I think you're right. There's a gap with, with Denai Dennis Sutton. And you, you hear the way James Franklin described him back in December and making it very clear this is not a project defensive end that we're bringing in to bulk up. This is a guy who is tailor-made to come in and play as a true freshman, and that seems to be the expectation that is set for Denai Dennis Sutton, despite the fact that he will not be with the team for spring ball. Um, I just think because of, of where it's at from a depth perspective right now, I'm uh, curious to see what, what maybe some of these newcomers can do at safety. Um, I, I turn my attention a, a bit towards um, towards Tyrese Mills coming in from Lackawanna because of what we've seen from these Lackawanna safeties. Um, clearly the track record has been excellent. Um, can he come in and, and maybe – establish himself as a guy who can be a, a valuable backup off the bat. Uh, you're looking for kind of reinforcements there at safety. Um, but but really beyond that, it's, it's hard to, to pinpoint. KJ Winston, who I know you're high on because of the versatility he possesses, I, I, I'm interested to see what they think about him. Uh, you know, is he a safety? Do they see him maybe moving up? Um, where is he on the football field? Because I think KJ Winston maybe could come in and, and maybe a bit like Jalen Reed last year, uh, turn some heads and end up factoring in and, and being a surprise guy who passes that redshirt threshold. 
just a, a feeling I get as I look at KJ, KJ Winston's kind of versatility and maybe where this roster could use some help as the year progresses. When, when you say moving up, you mean like potentially Sam or like, I know he's a, he's a wiry kid, like a longer kid. So I wasn't sure what you Sorry, I, I, I meant, I meant moving over. I think he's a guy that potentially you could look at a cornerback. Um, okay. I think he's, I think he's a potentially because of that length, because of how we've seen them utilize size uh, and, and stature at cornerback. Um, you know, but also Anthony Poindexter has discussed it a lot. He likes cornerbacks, uh, cornerback guys who can play safety. He likes those kind of players. Um, but when I think about KJ Winston, um, I, I, he's just the guy that I think has was probably overlooked for, for for a bit of his recruitment. He ended up getting that four star. Um, and to me, when I when I kind of go through this list of what looks like there could be four or five additions to the defensive backfield from this recruiting class by the time we get in August. He just stands out to me because of that versatility. Yeah, and that's what I hoped you meant. I was like, I don't. He's got to fill out to play safety. He's not ready to fill out to play Sam yet. Um, but no, he's a, he's a guy that's got a really really good cover, or really good uh, ball awareness, spatial awareness. So I'm curious if they do start him out of corner. Um, we've talked about guys that have, you know, Zaki Whitley did it last year. You start guys at corner, um, give them the ability to 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 cover and learn to cover and, and and go from there. And I think Winston could be one of those guys that starts out of corner even if it's just for a couple of weeks in camp and then eventually moves over to safety. And you're right. You, when you take a look at questions like these, you're picking apart um, more positions that, that have the opportunity to come in. So defensive end with denied Dennis Sutton, absolutely safety. You've, you feel like you've got four guys at safety, but maybe you need a fifth, maybe a freshman could come in and dent that. So um, the opportunity is certainly there um, for some of these guys that are coming in. It's just a matter of, of where you find it. And then of course you throw Alex Paquetta on top of it coming into an open punting job. You gave him a scholarship for a reason. You're looking for these guys to come in, start four years, and then bring in the next guy that comes in and start four years. If you can do that, if you can you know, pr prepare an assembly line where that works, you're feeling pretty good. So they seem to be on a, you know, on the right track in that, in that manner. And I do want to mention here, because I, I know a lot of people are high on him, Drew Shelton, uh, the top offensive lineman in the state of Pennsylvania, uh, will be joining this team. It is very difficult for a true freshman lineman to come in, especially after spring ball, um, and, and work his way into a role where he is actually competing um, on game days. So I, 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 Drew Shelton, that we've always kind of talked about, look about where he could be in two, three years. I just know that people are probably saying, well, how does this equation play out? There's offensive line needs. You're bringing in the top offensive lineman in Pennsylvania, Sean and Tyler, you don't even touch the subject. I just wanted to kind of make sure we stated that a little bit. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you look at those offensive line commits and, and Vega Ione is probably the one that's closest to, to seeing the field from a physical makeup standpoint. I mean, he's 6'4", 320, so he's a big square out there. You know, he's, he's a guy that I don't think is ready to play, but in terms of guys that are closest to what they're going to look like when they play is probably that guy. So you're going to have to do some work on Malik McNeil, do some work on uh, Drew Shelton. Um, but Ione is probably going to look very similar, kind of like Steven Gonzalez, going to look very similar to um, what he is when he arrives and when he plays. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. When we come back, we will be fresh out of a, a media session with James Franklin, and we'll be rolling into spring practice. Um, on the recruiting trail, be sure to check out Sean's VIP piece that went up today on the crystal ball landscape when it comes to Penn State and some of their top targets. Uh, Brian Doan also has a Thursday update on prize Pennsylvania prospect Rodney Gallagher up on the site right now for our VIP subscribers. So a lot going on in the meantime. We'll get going with March Madness and St. Patty's Day. Uh, we've recorded early here. We'll move on with our days. Links to producer Lance Glenn. Thanks to our co-host, Sean Fitz. I'm Tyler Donahue. This is the Lions 24-7 Podcast.